Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. Good to see you today. Well, it's good to be seen. Moving right along in the week, we're on Thursday mm-hmm. as we're walking mm-hmm. through our, or walking on, I should say, our paths of righteousness. Yes. Here with our Bible reading plan, Psalm 103. So on Monday, we talked about praise. On Tuesday, we talked about admonition. Yesterday, we talked about trust. Yeah. And today, as we're reading Psalm 103 and meditating and talking about it, we want to think, Uh, A similar topic to trust, but hope, just thinking Uh a a little bit of a different nuance here. So here on Thursday, it's our day of hope. And so as we're reading, as I'm listening, I want to be focusing on meditating upon how does Psalm 103 prompt or improve my hope in Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. So what uh, what translation are you going to want to read from today? uh, Yeah, I'm going to be reading today from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Or I'm, I should say the translation previously known as the Holman <laughs> Christian Standard Bible, the Christian Standard Bible. It's Psalm 103, Davidic. My soul, praise the Lord, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and full of faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him, and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his instructions. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Praise the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, praise the Lord. One of the struggles for me always between Wednesday and Thursday is seeing a little bit of a distinction between trust and hope. And I actually, I admit, I, I like I like us having these two days that are similar because it forces me to think in a nuanced way. It forces me to to think because hope and trust overlap in so many ways. And so to think through 
just this issue of of both of them Mm -hmm. is helpful to me because immediately as you started reading, it was the same verses that we read yesterday that we went to trust. I think, well, this is where I find my hope. My hope is that God gives me all these blessings. He forgives sins. He heals diseases. Okay. This is why I trust him. And this is, this is my hope. As we kept reading though, I, I have to admit when we got to verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And I, got, I, was, I was meditating and thinking uh, on just some different aspects of that, recognizing, number one, the psalm has taken us back to Moses, and the psalm reminds us of Israel enslaved in Egypt. We know from Ezekiel that even though we aren't told in Exodus, we know from Ezekiel they had gone into idolatry. And that's likely why there was the enslavement. But when they cry out to God, what does he do? He forgives them and he delivers them. Now, David is writing this psalm, and I'm going to come back to David here in a second. But the psalm is placed here in book four. And we, as we've gone through the psalms, recognized a loose overarching kind of story. Yeah. And as we were in the third book of the Psalms, getting to the end of it, there was a whole lot that was directed toward the destruction and judgment of Israel and Judah by Assyria and Babylon and being in that exile. And a lot of book four has been about being rescued from that exile, mm-hmm. the, the the pity and compassion that God would have on them, delivering them. So it's, to me, it seems almost certain that what's happened is this Psalm of David has been placed at this location in the book of Psalms by the editors to call to mind, here's what he did when we were in Egypt. This is what he's doing now that we're in Babylon. We're going to get to go home. Mm -hmm. Where's my hope? My hope is in God. My hope is not in in any human. It's in God. God's the one that's going to deliver us. Now, between those two events is actually David himself, and it just caused me to think about that time when he did that sinful census. Okay. And God presents to him, well, here's your three options. Mm. I, I'm, I'm going to give you three options. You're either going to have three years of famine, three months of devastation by your foes, or three days of pestilence on the land. Three days of the sword of the Lord, the pestilence on the land. So we're either going to have three years where you're just subject to the whims of nature, mm-hmm. or three months where you're subject to the devastation of men, or three days where you're subject to the devastation of the Lord. In one way of thinking that, I'd say, well, let's go with the men, because I know the Lord can do way worse than men can. Right. But that's not how David thought about it. Mm -hmm. David said, let me fall into the hand of the Lord because he's merciful. If mm-hmm. I just if I just fall into the hand of nature, the whims of nature, the you know, the, the, yeah. the famine, that's uh, who knows what could happen then. Right. If you put me in the hands of men, the men are, are terrible. They're, They're the awful. Worst. There's going to be no... Re- but the Lord, the Lord is merciful. I know the Lord. The Lord is slow to anger. He relents from disaster. That's, that's one of the things we see. And of course, that's exactly what happens. The pestilence starts, and it is horrific. But what David does is he goes and he offers a sacrifice... He buys the threshing floor of Ornan or Arana, mm-hmm. depending, you know, the same fellow, different ways of saying his name. And he offers a sacrifice and God accepts that as atonement. And he ceases the pestilence and the plague because that's the kind of God we serve. All of this demonstrates, where's my hope? Think Things might be dreadful. They might be awful. The only hope I have is the Lord. The Lord is the one who rescues. The Lord is the one who saves. That's where hope lies. Even as your mind makes that connection to David, the census, and choosing the pestilence, the power of the sacrifice to turn it back, it reminded me how in an earlier time, an earlier season, when God was angry with all of the Israelites in the book uh, of, 
Was it Exodus or Numbers? He had sent a pestilence, though, on the he people. He says somewhere in the law. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you very much. That's biblical. Uh, somewhere in the law. But he it was putting a judgment on the people because they basically wanted to rebel, and it was after Kor's rebellion. I remember that. Uh, but what does Moses do? He and Aaron go and offer the sacrifice, and right where that uh, incense is burning out of the censer, that's like the line in the ground, and the pestilence stays on one side of it where there's atonement, and, and the people on the other side of it are are spared. Oh, yeah. That is a fascinating story. In Numbers 16, Korah, numbers, it was numbers. Yeah, Korah rebels, and God says, that's it. You know what, Moses, Aaron, get out of the way. I'm going to kill them all. That's, we're done. We're done. They're, they're rebellious. They're stubborn. Moses intercedes on their behalf, and he says, Lord, are you really going to destroy all the people right, for right, one right, man's right, right, sin? Right. And so God says, all right, all right, I won't do that. Have everybody separate themselves from Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And he kills the families that were in strict rebellion at that moment. That was when the ground the opened ground, up and yeah, swallowed Moses them says if closes. something new happens, whoom. So the particular individuals and their families involved in the rebellion are judged at that time. Here's what's amazing. I don't know if the people heard Moses' intercession, but, but the reason why the people themselves were not executed in that rebellion was because Moses interceded for them. Mm-hmm. The next day, the people all show up at Moses' door, and they start railing against him. You've killed the people. Mm-hmm. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. You're bad. And God says, all right, see? I mean, it's essentially, uh, not, not to necessarily put words in Moses' mouth, but I think what's going on is we are seeing that what God already knew. The rebellion that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were expressing was actually in the heart of all the people. Okay. And so now we've got this next day where they are expressing the rebellion, mm-hmm. and God says, Moses, Aaron, get away from them. Run away from the midst of them because I'm going to wipe them out, and I don't want you to get caught up in it. Here's the amazing thing. Instead of running away, Moses and Aaron fall on their face, which is the issue of prayer, prayer. intercession. Right. And then Moses tells Aaron, grab fire from the altar, put some incense on it, and run into the midst of the people. Yeah, that's what I was remembering. I mean, it's just a fantastic story. God tells them to run away, and instead what they do is run into the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to ask our question, how'd they get away with that? Well, it's this exact same point is because they understood there was only one hope Mm -hmm. and the hope is God. Mm -hmm. The hope is not get away from God. The hope is draw closer to God. And so Aaron brings this censer filled with fire from the altar and incense burning and God accepts it as atonement Mm -hmm. and he stops the plague. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That picture of just right there, Aaron is the dividing line. He's standing in the gap between the dead and the living. He is right there with that atonement. I think that tells us something about Jesus, by the way. He's the one who stands in the gap. Yes. He is the one that's the dividing line between the dead and the living. If we run away from God, we can't get away from the plague. Right. But if we run to the Mm -hmm. merciful God, just like David says, just like we see here from Aaron and Moses, we want to be in the hands of the Lord because he is the one that's merciful. He will provide atonement. He has atoned. Uh, just these stories just go together. We we see them overlapping. And here, this psalm is bringing up Moses, and it's yeah. from David. Yeah, it's and from all, David. And we're, it's calling all of these things to mind. Yeah, I, absolutely. When I think about hope, I think about a, a confident expectation. And the trustworthiness of God, of course, ties into my reason for a confidence in what I might expect. 
But one of the things that builds my confident expectation and God's faithfulness to his promises and to deeds uh, to be done is because of the deeds he has done. And so when I was meditating upon hope for today, I was drawn to verses six and seven. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. When we're encouraged in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, to be ready to give a reason or give an answer for the hope that is within us, I think we're, we're taught there to be mindful of hope is not a blind hope, just like faith is not a, a blind faith, but there's reasons for it, and particularly tied to the mighty deeds of God. And when I think of, uh, in the instance of 1 Peter, Uh, We have been born again to a living hope, according to chapter 1, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is that mighty deed, ultimately, that is the reason for my hope and my confident expectation of an eternal life, of an eternal judgment, even for the wicked, and because of salvation. And the reason for my hope is not my uh, (laughs) unexhaustible knowledge or, you know, the, the, the ins and outs and the deep mysteries and things that belong to God, but I can... I can put my finger on some mighty deeds and demonstrations, and that's reason for my hope. And I see a precursor to that then here spoken to in this psalm when he talks particularly about the ways made known to Moses, the acts to the children of Israel. Even though we've talked about this, I mean, we just had a great conversation about some of those mighty acts in the life of David and Moses as Aaron as well. But initially, with those plagues, with all of the judgments that came upon Um, Egypt. And what are those plagues? They are miracles. They are miracles of punitive judgment. That's what those plagues are uh, that then brought about the freedom and the redemption of Israel from their sins. Because God does mighty deeds, I have hope in God. I, I'm just take a little extra time here. I'm going to try to be quick with this, but this is this is a psalm wide thing. Mm. When you look into the psalms, one of the unique aspects of the Hebrew Psalms, as opposed to a similar kind of literature that the countries and nations and peoples around Israel also had, yeah. Psalms is not just biblical. It's no. not just Hebrew. It was a li- literature that was used by the Near Eastern world. Same with Proverbs. Yes. There's the, each of these uh, cultures had their Proverbs as well. The unique aspect of the Hebrew Psalms, though, is how they attribute everything that the person experiences ultimately to God, good, bad, and in between. Okay. Whereas in the other nationalities and among the mm-hmm. other people, when they were looking at bad things that were happening to them, they attributed them to evil jinn or yeah. to evil spirits. Maybe even evil gods. Evil right? gods. Yeah. The Psalms recognize that those kind of spiritual beings exist, but they consistently lay everything that happens in life at the feet of God. Some people get upset about this and they don't like to hear this. They think it's somehow a doubt, a lack of faith. In fact, what we're seeing psalm wide is we know where our hope lies. Yeah. That if 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 these things are attributed and ultimately at the feet of evil beings, I don't know that I have hope. But when I understand that God is ultimately in control of mm-hmm. everything, yeah. I finally have hope because I know where I can go. I know where I can lay out my concerns and my anxieties and my fears and, and the dangers and, and the sadnesses. I know I can go to God because he is the one who's in control. And that's hope. And that's what yeah. we're seeing in this psalm as well. Sorry for going over, Andrew. I'm going to go ahead and lead us in prayer. Holy God.
thank you for being our hope. May we grow our hope in you. And of course, our hope is Jesus, and we're thankful for him. It's through him we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.